0: Welcome, everyone, to the special edition of Kiwi Talks. I am talking to an underappreciated legend. You might know him as the guy who com- composed the the theme for The Undertaker, The Ultimate Warrior, Stone Cold, The Rock, but he is more than that. I am speaking to Jim Johnston. How are you doing, sir?
1: I'm doing great. Yep. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's exciting. Oh, yes. I'm huge, uh, as we were speaking a little bit before we started this, I was. Um, telling you uh, how much I've wanted to come to New Zealand and how it's a kind of a fantasy trip for me. and So someday, hopefully, I'll get to come over there, do some trout fishing.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you, you ever
1: watch Lord of the Rings? Hurt. I did, yeah, yeah. And it hurt. It was so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd be, you know, I'd be go, getting out of the storyline looking in the back saying like oh look at that could come on come on let's get closer to close up on the river <laughs> so I, I i love it
0: yeah i mean it doesn't the do it justice we have
1: here is yellowstone park i don't know how many new zealanders have heard of that I have heard of it. if yeah. you come to the united states please go to yellowstone park it's like Going back in time, it's it's just this whole gigantic area that's extraordinary to begin with, but what's really extraordinary, it was cordoned off uh, by one of our early presidents, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, who was very much an outdoorsman, and he started the national park system. And he just did this sweeping executive order and said, like, this is a national park now, And, you know, you can't do anything commercial here. Zero. And and it's still that way to this day. There is no little spot where mysteriously you find a McDonald's or something. Once you're in the park, you're in the park. And it's like going back in time. All animals going around. I mean, really back in time because you feel like an outsider, like you're intruding on their territory. It's beautiful. Really, it's something you got to see. But it's something I have to see is New Zealand, so I'll get there at some point.
0: Well, we'll exchange. I'll you come here and I'll yeah. go there, and uh, we can we can talk about it afterwards. I'm sure. Yeah. So how how do you go about your daily routine in terms of your music?
1: Well, um, I guess it's a little no. It, it's certainly different post WWE, but. At, when I was at WWE, um, I could have been, there, there was always so much to do. I was never caught up. You know, there, there's always more to be done. So uh, there's a forever to do list. Right. Uh, Post WWE for the first time in so many years, I've had this period of time to be able to write whatever I want. And um I, I have had no change since I was a teenager, and in, in my uh, passion for writing and the number of ideas uh, I have I, I really one of my biggest difficulties is I come up with so many ideas that I would never, ever, in this lifetime be able to pursue recording all of them which is sometimes a real frustration and one of my real downfalls in the studio and and part of the creative process is i'll be working on something and while i'll do that while while i'm playing a piano part or something i will be noodling around and say oh that's a cool idea and i'll it, it so captures my heart and mind that I want to stop and go work on that now, and and a lot of times I do, and which means I've now stopped working on what I was trying to finish, and so I've got an incredible backlog of ideas and sketches. Um, my little iPhone is filled with. Um, I, I have a little voice memo thing I use. Um, by each month, it's. I've got hundreds that I lay off into files and clean it out and start again. And, oh, and wow. so now I have years and years and years of hundreds of ideas per month, times 12 months, times however many years. And um, so it's one of those weird things in life where it's a wonderful problem to have. And yet it's still it's still really a problem. Because the, there is only a certain amount of time. So, safe so to- I've been really trying recently, actually. It's interesting that you asked that or, or that we got on this track. Because I've been really trying like the last month to focus and and um, finish things. It's it's also particularly different when you're wholly independent, as I am now, versus you're working for someone because they impose deadlines on you. You know, hmm. when you have a steady job, it's like, here's when you come to work and we need this piece of music by five o'clock today. So um, looking back, I see that those imposed deadlines worked well for my psyche. And so, <laughs> so now I have to create them myself, which is, is, has frankly been hard for me to do. So safe to say, you never get writer's block. Never, never in my life. That's good. Never, never for an instant. A good I, problem I, to I, have. I, I can't. Uh, I I can't wait to get to the studio every morning. Um, I wake up in the middle of the night and I, I'm, seeing little, voice memos in or a lyric idea and, um, yeah, it's so- it's. It's never-ending.
0: So how strict were the deadlines at WWE? So, I mean, I've seen the snippet online. So when the when they first came to you about, say, The Undertaker, for example, you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, he's a dead guy. That seems like a vague piece of information. Um, it was. <laughs> but how much time did they give him? The first reaction, of course, is if he's dead, he
1: doesn't need a theme, yeah. okay? <laughs> <laughs>
0: But was that what they do? they just give you a small piece of information and you'd have to kind of struggle to extract more? I mean, was it management or Vince that would come to you?
1: Early on, it was Vince. Right. Because when he bought the, the company from his dad, um, you know, it was a seriously small operation. You know, mm. it was Vince, his wife, Linda, um, I don't know, five other people. Wow, um, in a small, you know, rented suite of offices, he worked in then. Um, but uh, the guys, have, he's a extremely driven dude. So he uh, he really ramped it up quickly, and um, yeah, so early on, it uh, him, and uh, then later his sort of right hand guy, a guy named Kevin Dunn. Uh, uh I mainly went through him, but even then it was largely Kevin just relaying the information from from Vince or you know discussions about a character. Rarely thank God, rarely directly from the character, from the wrestler.
0: Ah, wow, I because guess that,
1: that, that, that generally and I don't mean that in the sense that I didn't like any of them or they were a pain to deal with. It's just that they didn't always fully understand the difference between music you like and what's appropriate as a theme for you. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's no different uh, or the best analogy that I think most people can embrace easily is, when a director is putting together a movie, uh, what he or she likes to listen to in their car has no bearing on what is going to be the right music for the soundtrack to the film. Totally. So, uh, and most of the wrestlers would tend to immediately default to either I'd like something like Stone Cold's theme because they equate like, well, that made him a star. So, Give me something like that, and I'll be a star. Uh, or it's their favorite, you know, Metallica song that they like to work out to in the gym or something. I want something like that, and, right? And and it's, I would always feel uncomfortable telling them or trying to explain to them that, you know, that's really not your character. And though I did not write Shawn Michaels' theme. It was a great example to say, Do you think that Shawn Michaels goes to the gym and listens to <laughs> I'm a Sexy Boy? You know, yet it worked as a great theme for him for years and years and years.
0: Okay. So were you actually approachable though? I mean, from a standpoint, could anyone come and just see you? Or? Oh, God. No. Oh, God. No. Okay. I was well hidden away. Well, which is what you want,
1: right? Half half on my own, because it's pretty well documented. I've got pretty severe stage fright issues. So I am not a performer person. I'm a a composer hidden away in the studio. Um, And uh, Vince is a control freak. He likes to, you know, have things under control Uh, and you know, the last thing he would want would be having his composer out doing the David Letterman show. Yeah. You know, it's like, get your ass back in the studio and
0: (laughs) crank out a theme, please. So how, how long would the deadline be? So let's say with the undertaker, how much time did they give you to actually create it? I completely forgotten
1: that, but, um, Back during that time, uh, wherever the show was being filmed on Monday night, because it was really only Monday Night Raw at that point, uh, a couple of magazine shows on the weekends, uh, everything would be like uh, vignette videos and stuff like that would be, the deadline would be a a satellite feed that would happen, you know, uh, maybe by seven o'clock on Monday night. So that was the deadline. And a lot of times I would be asked for a theme at like three o'clock in the afternoon on Monday. What? <clears throat> and you have to come up with something. And and in, <clears throat> in defense, it would not be, it would rarely be the final thing, but I'd have to come up with something and record it and get it on that satellite feed so that they at least had something to get this new character off the ground. And then then I had a week to customize it. But uh, the way things work there, you know, that was always the reasoning. It's like you you got to just get us something to get us through tonight, and then you can take a week and work on it. But during that week to work on it, you know, I'd be asked to do – Ten other themes, so it isn't quite as clean as. Yeah, you got a week to work on it. But so hey, hey I, I, I'm really not. I'm not whining here. i um, i I like the. I like the pressure. I, I like the. Um, and I, again, looping back to the earlier bit, I, I think I'm seeing more and more now that. One of the things I liked about it was that it forced me to finish things. Um, and I liked that pressure because maybe it got me around this liability that I recognized even then. But, um, mm. but it was sort of a, um, uh, a forced solution.
0: And yeah.
1: certainly there were times that it was frustrating and you feel like, holy crow, I need a just a little bit of a breather here but
0: yeah yeah because uh, because you did so many things right you didn't just do the theme music i mean you did some stuff with film there you did some of the video games and you did like yeah, it a bit of it.
1: five or six films um, you know major studio films um and uh, with full orchestral scores that i did at either air studios or abbey road in london with orchestras there and then there was a constant uh Scoring of uh, you know vignettes and little miniature videos and miniature movies that would be part of character development. Hmm. You know, like some little mini movie of Undertaker telling some story out in a graveyard setting or something. You
0: know that kind of stuff. So would you would you like to do Hollywood films?
1: I would. I I love working. My, my favorite thing really is working with not necessarily full orchestra. I love working with full orchestra, but I like hybrid stuff. But yes, I love um, it, it's interestingly, most people would not look at my career and say like, oh, well, uh, Jim does um." Music to picture. You know, I think they would view it more like I write songs. Uh, But I would view it as like 98% of what I did is music for picture. Um, Yeah. Because to write themes, and I think the reason my themes were successful is that I wrote them like a soundtrack to the person. Like that person is... The star of a movie, the either the good guy or the bad guy, and like all those kind of themes, you know, Indiana Jones, you know, he's got a theme that plays to show that the good guy is winning. I treated themes in exactly that same manner. Is that that I would know. I was on the right track when I was feeling something when I would play it. You know, when I would feel what I wanted people to feel. I always approach it, Reese, in terms of what do I want people to feel? That, that's the only thing I care about. What do I want you to feel when you hear this music? You know, it's, it, the last thing on my mind is, will people be impressed with this guitar solo? Uh, You know, am I shredding effectively enough? Um, It it just doesn't enter the equation for me. It's all about the the incredibly powerful, magical thing that music brings to the table in terms of emotion. And I think that's why a lot of my themes really worked and why things were really popular uh, because you feel something because you feel something you care if the character wins or loses. It's like now you're, you're vested in the process. If you don't care about that character, you don't care about the story, which means you don't care about the outcome and now you're screwed. And in the television business, um, or the film business, that translates to horrible ratings and people not buying tickets.
0: Yeah. Because so, so, they don't care. They just don't care. So have you actually approached Hollywood Studios? I mean, because obviously your portfolio is very big and you can do pretty much, I mean, I think you've done pretty much every genre there is. <laughs> pretty, close. <laughs> yeah. pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. So yeah. I would think that would be easy in terms of like being like, here look at this (laughs) well
1: um i i'm actually in the process now of doing that but hollywood is uh you know it's a very political place Mm. um and it's um you you know the, the people who are there have worked very hard to get there and it, it's not as easy as just saying like, "Oh, I can do the work, so hire me." It, it's there's a um, sort of a respect that has to happen. That uh, particularly if you're if you're trying to approach a director, because they could have been working on trying to get this film off the ground for ten years. You know, maybe they optioned a book. 15 years ago and the process slowly began and trying to get people interested and in trying to raise money. And, and I really, I know and respect uh, how difficult that is to do. And so um, that's why I sort of come to that table with sort of a gracious attitude of like, the same thing I just mentioned is if you think I can help you make the audience feel something for these characters, then I would love to help.
0: Mm. I suppose
1: I I would say I come to, I'd say I also come to the table absolutely confident that, that I know I can do that, but you know, they, they have to think I'm the guy also you know a little bit of the little bit of a problem with breaking into the hollywood thing is getting interestingly getting around everything you mentioned getting around the sort of the stigma of pro wrestling which is not exactly the most popular thing in hollywood and yeah so my association with that is two things one they kind of look down on it for the most part even though behind the scenes they're asking for tickets to the <laughs> events but um, and the other thing is just a misconception of thinking oh he did all that oh so why are we entertaining him for writing a score because he writes heavy metal songs right he must if you know if he was involved with WWE yeah. that that must be what you do
0: it's interesting you say that because I had a I had a video game composer on here and he pretty much echoed the same thing, you know, because he came from that world, he had that stigma that he just can't seem to get rid of, which made it difficult for him cuz he wanted to get into scoring films as well. And I mm. suppose with the Hollywood system it's all about networking and who you know as well.
1: Definitely. Definitely yeah. at least in terms of getting in the door. Mm. And and I've been making some pretty good inroads. Um, I mean, who knows, but,
0: um, Did you know, did you know the rock quite well, Dwayne? Um, well, no.
1: Did I know him? You know, I mean, I, I, I I have a pretty high bar uh, in terms of saying I know someone (laughs) or that friends with someone. I, I, I don't particularly prescribe to the, um, entertainment industry Uh, you know they throw around oh we're incredibly close pretty easily but I certainly had uh, interactions with The Rock uh, on numerous occasions and we had good time together and Mm. he's a great guy incredibly just absolutely the most purely chemically charismatic person I've ever been around. It's like just, uh, it's an interesting thing. Over the years, certainly met the big stars in the WWE world, but also met uh, some big Hollywood people. And um, it is amazing. There are some people that just have something that you can't figure out. It, it, it's just you. You know, it's a combination of you can't take your eyes off of them, and that that they they just exude a chemistry that you you're attracted to. You just like them. I mean, it's just that simple. You just like them.
0: Mm. The only reason why I ask is because if you were to get into Hollywood films, I suppose he's probably knows a yeah. lot of people, and he could probably point you in the right direction, or. Yeah, a well, good like word or now,
1: you know, as he's one of the biggest stars in the world, yeah, uh, he is particularly difficult to get with. You know, you don't just call him, "Hey, Dwayne, you, me, lunch, dude." <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like if I could get to him, that yeah, that will work out great because I feel pretty confident that he would say, "Sure, I'll." I'll Talk you
0: around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because how yeah. did you, how did you manage to write so many different genres? Like in terms of your writing process, because usually you have a composer that's more experienced or better at a specific style, but you seem to have done it all. It's it's interesting,
1: Reese, because I, I I agree most. Most composers, and even more so if they're a performer, tend to, um, you know, they, they have their thing. They're, you know, I mean, uh, even people who are extraordinarily gifted, uh, a guy like Sting or something. He, he, he definitely, over the course of all of his albums and early work with the police, there's a range there. But there's also a style. And and virtually all of what he does is is in that style. He's, he's kind of uh, stepped out of it a little bit occasionally to do uh, sort of English and Irish folk music and some projects. But, um, and I say that because I'm an enormous fan of, of Just about everything he's done, Um, you know. Now more modern day, Billie Eilish. Sure, there's a lot of different in the productions, but it's kind of she's in a niche of. She's not like doing opera things for one album and then jumping back to. Okay, I'm going to do my alternative pop thing again now. Um, Where I fit in that. I have no clue because I have – I just um, – maybe I grew up at a time when uh, there, there were – radio wasn't so segmented and, and Spotify and everything where it's kind of self-fulfilling prophecy is kids are going to a specific place to hear a certain kind of music. And then, you know, they play you. 400 songs that are basically in that genre of music. Um, When I was young, radio, there was like just a pop station. There wasn't a rock station and then a pop station and then a, you know, urban music Motown station. There were a pop station, you know, top 40. And there, you know, in the top 10 at any given moment, there could be, the theme song from a movie, uh, a Motown record, a pop record, uh, you you know, just all sorts of genres that listening to all the time. Uh, And I'm, believe me, I'm just floating that as a theory. I, I think it's probably as simple as I love all kinds of music and I get all these ideas. And then you combine that with being with WWE and, They have all sorts of different characters that require, ideally require different kinds of music and international and world styles and stuff. Mm. I love a challenge.
0: Because I don't think a lot of people realize that most of it was you, right? I mean, you played like every single instrument. I mean, what do you play? Drums, bass, keys, can you play like sax, trumpet, like all that stuff? Uh, I, trumpet was my, well,
1: not literally my first, I I started with piano lessons, but uh, played trumpet in school bands. And then once you play one horn, the fingerings on the rest of the horns are kind of in the ballpark. Uh, Then I learned to play flute and then, so fingerings on a clarinet and stuff there, there are similarities. So each one builds on the next one. And then when I started recording, um, I would just love to try to record some other instrument just because it was exciting to like, Oh, well I'll put a flute on this because here's a flute. (laughs) You know, that, that was a good enough reason.
0: Yeah. Well, because the thing was, I, I originally thought, I mean, way back in the day now, but I always thought it would be a group of people composing, but, for a period, it was just you, right? Just you and your little uh, studio just doing it all? And then now and then you'd collaborate?
1: Yeah. Uh, I rarely collaborated. You know, the, the, the they weren't really collaborations that happened. Uh, there were periods where uh, we would go outside and... I would give a theme to like a young, hot, upcoming band, and they would record their version of it, like they were doing the cover of something. And that was really fun to see what they would come up with, and and working with them. But it it, it really never was a, a collaboration like we we'd get together and hey, let, let's write a write a theme together, write a song together. Yeah, I think I'm, uh, um, Would you like to do more of that? I like producing bands. Right. I I think I'm a, only because I haven't done it. So I I can't be sure, but I I think maybe I'm collaboration is not my strong suit because I'm, um, Or probably the manner. I probably would love, I would love to collaborate if people could, uh, I I think the stage fright thing really enters into it here, is what I'm struggling to say, is I'm not good at being in a room with someone else trying to write something because I'm so self-conscious that I kind of can't let go and do the kind of letting go uh, inhibitions down process that's involved in composing because you have to be willing to do stupid stuff. You know, you have (laughs) to be willing to say like, okay, you know, I was going to use a, a raging electric guitar lead on this, but you know, maybe it's an oboe. You know, um, maybe it's uh, orchestral chimes, you know, and it, I always feel very self-conscious if I'm in a situation with someone else throwing out ideas like that, because I, I just feel like, you know, it's like, oh, my God, you're a moron. Get out. You know, I can't believe you suggested that. And uh, but. Uh, It it probably would work, um, you know, like if someone sent me some ideas that then I could think about, mess around with, send something back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would work
0: great. Has your stage fright gotten better over the years, though? I mean, because I'd imagine for No, I'm sure
1: it hasn't because I haven't done anything about
0: it. I mean, you know, it isn't like I'm
1: going out and playing coffee houses trying to – trying to have a breakthrough you
0: know what, what i mean i, I mean I, I suppose in terms of the acclaim you've had right and how yeah. how warmly received you've been by millions of people yeah I, i'm just wondering i'm like well is there a part of your brain that's maybe like well maybe um i'm overthinking this or is Amen. it still Far just? On.
1: yeah <laughs> I, oh i'm i am sure i'm an idiot um uh, you know, it's my my wife will say what I mean. I am still nervous playing my wife a new song. I will hem and haw and like, okay, you know, it's it's not quite done yet. Uh, you know, in this the, the chorus part, I'm really not sure of the lyrics here. But you know, she, she just gets so frustrated with me. It's just like play the song. just shut <laughs> up. You know, I'll make up my own mind. Um, so, you know, that, that's the nature of these kind of, I guess, syndromes, you would say, is they are largely built up in your own mind that I have decided that there's real danger involved in this. Mm. You know, and that I can't let go and just go out and, you know, do a, do a little concert thing and, right. and have fun doing it.
0: Well, I hope I haven't made you self-conscious with this conversation. No. Hey, okay, what, that's, that's you and good. I, holy crow.
1: We're like, what are we, <laughs> like 18,000 miles apart? Yeah. Well, I'm just, yeah, I'm just curious because oh, I... I've, well, I've, even if you decided, Jim, I'm running over there to, to knock you around right now, you wouldn't be here for like two weeks.
0: Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. So there's... I have time to move. Okay. So it's 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 more in person so to speak more what? So it's only the stage fright comes from actually in person. So if you were performing say over a Facebook live or something to thousands of people, would that still cause you? Oh no,
1: I'd I'd still be nervous with that. Maybe less, maybe less with that, but, um, and maybe less with that because I'm sure my mind would go, okay, because I could pre-record this and, you know, kind of edit it to make sure I don't do anything really stupid or, right. or forget the lyrics or, or something. Yeah, yeah, uh, fair enough. But but then I would fight myself on that as well in the sense that um, I hate when I see people on TV and, you know, or like a, the Academy Award show or something and they lip sync the song. It's like sing your song. You know, well, that's, what,
0: say, that is,
1: that's the coolest part about it, or at least for me, is I don't want to hear it. I could care less about hearing it exactly like it was done on the CD or something or in the movie. It's, it's much more compelling, uh, particularly if it's the person who composed the song. Let me hear it the way you wrote it, mm. because mm. that's really exciting. Because that's when you can really hear the emotion of a tune and um, and what what inspired that person to
0: write it. So is there a part of you that would like to perform live but there's, there's the blockage yeah, there
1: there is there is yeah. exactly there is and and yet it's the terror um, is a problem.
0: What if you started with like two people and then work up to five and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and like a slow thing because i a i slow, imagine you could easily get like a band reality <laughs> you could get a band and tour around america and just i'm sure people would come and um, watch you so i find it very interesting have, have um have wwe asked you to be in the hall of fame no no yeah. and if they did would you be like nah because of the um stage fright thing
1: Uh, no. If I said no, it would be because of getting fired.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay.
1: Not because of stage fright.
0: Um. Because I read that. I read that online. That's why I thought I'd ask. Because I'm I very skeptical about anything I read online. Yeah. But, um. Because there's a whole bunch of people that are wondering, like, why isn't he in the Hall of Fame?
1: You know, it's from my perspective, it's one of those kind of weird things where you're of uh, very differing um, conflicting views on something. On a practical level, getting outside myself, it is bizarre that I haven't been asked. I mean, it's like, well, I, I have to... Ask, like, okay, well, exactly what do you have to accomplish to get in?
0: Well, I find it weird because there's people like Drew Carey and Sylvester Stallone and things in the Hall of Fame. So I'm like, I don't get how they're in and you're not. It doesn't, I don't know what the criteria
1: is. No, I don't think anybody does. Uh, But at the same time, uh, you know, I've got the emotional part, which is like, wait a second where are we? You know, you, you, you decided that to boot my ass out the door. And now you're saying we want you in the hall of fame. Mm. So, you know, make up your mind.
0: Yeah. Cause, uh, uh were you viewed as a contractor? Is it like, a, are you a contractor or? Were yeah, you- a,
1: a, a, right. Okay. You know, different contact contract periods.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've always found that, quite fascinating the the system in terms of the work system in, term, in, in America as opposed to say in Australasia because anyone can just fire you at any time right it's just bang you're gone like there's no kind of protection of uh your work I mean, so if,
1: if, if you work for a corporation in New Zealand they don't have to go through this like we have to warn you for three months and then that's exactly what it's like you do. just show up at work and they say, Reese, get out.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, the, cause that's not the case here. Right. So, I mean, unless mm. it's some type of redundancy or um, you've done something really, really bad, you, there's, there's actually a process that you have to go through. Uh, so there, yeah. And in both New Zealand and Australia, so you can't yeah. just get fired. You can't just come into work and be like, Oh, you're fired. Unless this on this it's a redundancy payout where you get paid out like a month in advance and, and all that jazz, and you're given yeah. a specific date yeah yeah it's it's become really, really hard to
1: fire people um, in the u s uh, you have to do in a corporate type environment uh, you have to give them warning, you know sit them down and say like oh you're, you're really doing." Uh, We're really disappointed in your work and we're going to give you, you know, three months or six months. I don't know what the time period is to get better. Um, Right. None of that stuff happened to me because being a, you know, a contract guy. uh, They just got to the end of the contract (laughs) and said, well, we're not renewing your contract, which is just a different way of saying you're fired.
0: Which seems bizarre, to but, me. But, I, I, but it
1: left them off the hook, you know, for any sort of um, procedure, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. did you did you write music as a way to kind of cope with that? Did you go straight into like was this studio here? Did you have the studio at it the time? Was,
1: yeah, thank God, I I built it uh, maybe four years before I left there. Oh, okay. So, so you, it was great, and I was still working here. Uh, I was already working here part of the time. so um, So yeah, it would have been vastly more difficult if you know I found myself you know having to put together a studio and um, well, before I built this place, I did have a studio room in my house. But if that was my only thing for full time work, that would have been a problem. So thank God in His heaven that I uh, had this place already built.
0: Because mm. music is so powerful, and it can be a very good coping mechanism as well, right? So
1: absolutely. So I absolutely. imagine it was and very was, vital to yeah, you. Yeah, and and there was definitely uh, definitely a uh, a sort of a. A divorce period, where no, it is. It really is so similar to a divorce in the sense that even if you didn't want to be there anymore, which I really didn't, um, you know, it's like even if you don't want to be with this woman anymore, you still end up going through all the usual stuff of you know sadness, anger, regret, you, you know all the whatever it is, 10 or 12 psychological stages. Um, And I definitely had some of that, but it was uh, definitely the music that got me through. And it was really, it was really nice, as I said earlier, to be able to write um, whatever I wanted suddenly, you know, and it kind of got me back to a much more pure form of, remembering how much i love music just for the music's sake not Mm. not for you know what kind of living can i make from this piece of music but just for the enjoyment of writing it and recording it and working on it
0: so can you get lost in the music and lose track of time oh my god every day yeah day of life what's what's the latest you've ever Uh, recorded or written music to? Can you get up to like 3 a.m. in the morning or something like that? Or is the wife like, hey, where are you? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: I keep a relatively regular schedule. Uh, I'm an early riser, so I start early in the morning. And um, I would say I'm in here on average from –
0: Um, uh, seven thirty to six thirty. Okay, that's a decent amount of time. And you, do you take any breaks, or are you just the whole time? Just uh, laying, I walk back it
1: down. up to the house to get my lunch, and then I bring it back down here to eat it. Right. So okay, that's the break.
0: Okay. Do you eat while you're uh, playing, though? Like, not me?
1: literally while I'm playing, <laughs> but but I'll still be doing. Some some sort of function. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometime I'm still playing. Actually, I
0: guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I do have to ask you because my brother's a huge Ultimate Warrior fan, so I do have to oh. ask you um, yeah. how you came up with that theme. Otherwise, they will they will be like, "Hey, how can you talk to this guy and not ask him that?" So,
1: Warrior was um, to he was pretty easy actually because he is. <clears throat> part of what I would look for is a tempo energy from people. Like if it's someone I've never seen before, um, I'll ask if, you know, is there any video available? You know, I don't care if it was in some, you know, small federation with him coming up and doing a high school gym or something. Because I, I just see a lot in how people move um, their actions. Certainly, uh, headline there is, you know, are they a gigantic guy? and it's going to be a slow tempo. Are they a smaller, wiry guy that moves quickly? It's going to be a faster tempo. But beyond that, some people have some sort of a, like a kinetic energy. You know, I mean, people who are like nervous and so they, you know, they're they're moving and they're kind of their heads twitching. They're looking around all the time. You know, that's going to give you a tempo. Mm. Warrior was boom. You know, it's like a piece. It's like a rocket ship coming out from backstage and and all, all I had was I, I just picked up not certainly not an acoustic guitar but it was just you know that's Warrior hmm. is, is Warrior here? yeah yeah he's here um, and so then you just put something around it and, and in that case it's just you know incredibly simple you know know it couldn't be more simple but that's that's who that guy is and it really worked for him and then he's he's doing the rope thing and you know he's he was he was a wild guy
0: so did you see a video of him actually running out was that kind of the information because you know how you said with the undertaker they just told you it was a dead guy but with, with him, what did they actually I, say I, to you? I must, I must have,
1: because I remember feeling like, okay, that, you know, I, I mean, I saw the guy and I sort of had, all right, we're done. I've, mm. I've got, it. that doesn't always happen, but a lot of times it does.
0: Sometimes that the most simple, hard. simple ideas are the most effective, right? Cause it's what three courts. Is it three courts?
1: Um. Four chords in in that little bridge section, I go up to a B flat to just sort of throw a little wrench into the works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, you're, you're right. Uh, It conceptually simple is the hardest thing to do, but also the most powerful. Um, When I say conceptually simple, like that's simple. I mean, Warrior's Theme is, you know, it's really simple. A beginner guitarist could could wade through a, um, you know, a reasonably okay version of Warrior's Theme. Undertaker is simple, but it's also there's a complexity to it as well. It isn't like it's really complex chord changes uh it's just simple in e minor um you know and and it's uh it's 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 a nursery rhyme really like kyle wrote it because i it's the only thing i could figure out that 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 sounded like what i wanted it to sound like i don't i was going i was about to say it was the only thing i came up with that sounded like death but it doesn't really sound like death it it, it to me it sounds more like sorrow and i always found that that was an interesting part of how i saw undertakers Character—it's it, like we don't know what happened to this guy, how he got here, but it probably was not all good. Yeah, uh, you know, probably some sad stuff happened to him, and then so when I did this little nursery rhyme thing, it just fit for some reason, you know, and it's—it's it's just such a simple. nothing strange going on there but i played that and, and so was that the original that, demo
0: that you gave to them on the night and then the week later they're like okay now you can add the organs and the the strings and is that how it originally no was?
1: i i i knew that that was the composition but i also knew that it's not a piano it's it's got to be an organ mm. and um and probably a choir, and, um, and then I needed something to open it up. And so I was thinking, you know, for whom the bell tolls. And, and I mean, then that I had the, to create a gigantic bell.
0: Is that the piece I, that you've probably remixed the most, or redone the most? I mean, there's so many iterations of it, isn't there?
1: I would, I would think, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Probably by far. I can't
0: think of anything. Well, he was there a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. Wow, I I I'd, I'd be curious to know when I wrote that. I have no idea when I, mm. what you wrote that.
0: It's so iconic, though, because I think of I think of your piece for the Undertaker, similar to how John Williams' piece for Darth Vader is in terms of there's so many elements. So if you think of Darth Vader, if you take away one element it doesn't work. So it's the combination of James Earl Jones, the suit, the breathing, plus the theme, right? And with Undertaker, you know, if he's walking down with a slow motion walk, uh, the lightning, the darkness with the music playing. And if you take away the the bell, yeah, the bell. And if you take away the music, it, it wouldn't work. So it's amazing. No,
1: interestingly there, I think there is a really strong parallel with the star Wars thing. There's an incredibly fine line in that kind of stuff between, boy, does this work. This is great. And this is absolutely laughable. You know, it's like we're supposed to believe that this guy's dead because he wears a long black leather jacket. I mean, how stupid do you think we are? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and, and yet. Um, you know, I mean, I think about it in the same light as Darth Vader, which is, uh, you know, it it completely works, and yet the guy in the suit is not even Darth Vader. It's it's yeah. a different voice, it's a different guy, and who sadly just passed away. I understand.
0: Yeah, David Price,
1: who actually played him. Um, it, it also brings up something that's always been the biggest mystery to me about even though I'm not and never really have been at all a fan of pro wrestling, I will defend it in the sense of uh, the biggest criticism is always that it's fake. Which raises the question, so you thought Darth Vader was real? Yeah. You thought E.T. was like they, they actually found a real alien to play that part? You know, I mean, uh, do you you think your favorite TV show is real? That those people are really the cops that this is happening to? You know, within that context, it's all fake. It's all written storylines. It's all people pretending to be something that they are not. Mm. Someone that they are not. Um, And yet... In a singular fashion, for some reason, pro wrestling has always gotten singled out as being fake.
0: Yeah, I don't know why that is. It's probably because it's compared to other sports, I suppose. But that's—it's it's probably why Vince I, I branded guess, it but, sports entertainment. You know,
1: and also, in its defense, it, it has never really presented itself as, um, a, you know, another sport it's always presented itself as being entertainment.
0: Yeah. Sports entertainment as Vince puts it, but for some reason people can't separate that. I mean, you see the injuries Some of these guys have, I'm like, that's definitely real.
1: The first time I uh, had a chance to stand in a ring. (laughs) I mean, from then on I was like, if anyone ever said like, Oh, you know, the, uh, what they do is not not really that great they're not all that athletic i challenged them i said okay i will <laughs> my dream for you is to be in a ring and all i want you to do is by yourself fall down just fall down and you will be crying you will this this is not a trampoline this is not kitty fun and when you now extrapolate that out to a seven-foot guy is lifting you over his head, and then you're falling down. It's amazing that they're not breaking their necks every single night.
0: Because it's like concrete, isn't it? The in terms
1: of it doesn't give or almost it close has to a it. global bounce, but but a lot of that bounce is uh, is as much for the noise it makes. You know, it's still a hard surface that you hit. Now maybe it has a little bit of give, but as that's like saying, you know, well, hit your head against this stone. It won't be that bad because there's a sponge under the so- under the stone. Well, the stone is still hard, yeah. uh, And the ring is really hard. I can't imagine the stuff they do. It's staggering to me. Always has been.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I definitely appreciate it, and I don't even. I've never even been in a ring, so yeah. But there's always, always haters, always people that I know. Yeah, well, hey, negative it, things, it, but it's easy to criticize. It is easy to criticize. Most people who criticize things don't even know what they're talking about, or I've never yeah. experienced it personally. Well, and and, and sadly,
1: it's uh, it's so rampant these days where there are so many outlets for people to make their opinions known.
0: yeah are you on social media or do you stay well not, clear
1: of that I, I i i stay pretty clear of that yeah yeah
0: because yeah. i tried to find you and i'm like he's not on there and i'm like i'm thinking it's probably a good thing <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah
1: you know it's a it's 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 a it's a weird thing you know it it's um I have this fan base out there, so and, and mine is not like, you know, being Justin Bieber where you're recognized going down the street, thank God, but people who are in that fan base, like if I was to go regularly on Instagram, they will find you, and, you know, they will open the door, or Facebook, I guess, is a more a better example. Um, and you'll be inundated with, uh, comments and, and Mm -hmm. some of them not so nice. So I've just decided probably just, just best to avoid that.
0: Yeah. I mean, given the fact that you get stage fright, it's probably a good thing that you're not super, super well known. I mean, do you get stopped anyway? Like, do you, can you walk the streets of New York and get, would you get stopped now and then? Yeah. Uh, Very rarely. Yeah. Very
1: rarely. Okay. But, but, but I'm not, I, I, I really am uh, a studio body. I, am, I spend most of my time here working away.
0: Yeah. That's good though. Given I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can tell you still love it. And that's, and that's the best thing. I mean, I would have hated for the situation with WWE to happen and then that you kind of lose your love for music as a result. But I'm glad that it, that hasn't happened. Yeah, no. Probably fueled it more. I
1: think it has. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, I am um, just started recently uh, um, a project uh, that I actually, I will, I will let you be the first to know about.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, okay, thank
1: you. I'm going to do um, like an EP of of basically new themes.
0: New themes in terms of, you mean of like older characters or just completely new stuff or? Just
1: completely new, new stuff, new pieces of music that would, that would, in my opinion, be usable as themes. Right. Because, you know, one thing that hasn't stopped is my coming up with not just different kinds of music, but, theme music as well. I'll be noodling around on the guitar or something and you know, you don't just shut that part of your brain off. Uh, it's like, oh, that, that'd be a good theme. You know, just like I had that feeling 10 years ago. Oh, that would be a good theme. You know, just some things are good, uh, are thematic. Mm. You know, things that have a just a good little guitar riff or um just a, just a certain catchy immediately catchy vibe to them uh, those those are can be extrapolated out into good themes so i'm I, I'm gonna do five of them and cool. and just release them to the fan base. bases like here you go and
0: any, them, any specific them, date you kind of want to release it just gonna I, just wanted wait? To,
1: I wanted to do it by Christmas, but I it looks like I'm not gonna make it. So probably January.
0: Mm-hmm. oh cool. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely keep an eye out for it. yeah man
1: well, i'll I will send a copy over so you've got one.
0: Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> it. Would you ever do uh video game music? Now that that's the biggest medium in the world, I mean, it, it outgrows this film. Um, yeah, it's
1: really interesting. I, I've never been a video game guy, uh, you know, player, um, but um, the music has gotten incredibly sophisticated, yeah, and nice. um, and its popularity is crazy, mm. um, and and I think there are. I think it's still. Uh, i would i would love to like if there are any video game makers out there who are listening here's a proposal I would love to get involved for someone who wants to take a video game kind of the next step up to to you know to, to a to being a film or beyond a film where there there's much more um You know, there's still a lot of focus on action um, and the gaming aspect of it. But I think what would make them even more popular is if there was a deeper emotional connection with the characters. Like there really was... uh, That the storyline was as compelling as the action.
0: Well, I, think, I think they are getting there. I think there's some games. I think games, they are getting there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they, there's some very cinematic games now. I mean, you can have a cut scene that's like 10 minutes long. So it's, it's.
1: Yeah, I
0: think, I think it would be really down your alley because yeah. you have such a good sense of melody as well. You know how you like listen to a lot of films these days they can have a good score but there's nothing remem- uh, memorable about the score like yeah. the, the the specific melody itself i
1: i agree with you and and i think it's a missed opportunity because it's it's melody that attaches people to um an emotion and a character yeah um, you know it's uh you mentioned the uh, <clears throat> John Williams and uh, all all of his stuff is based on melody.
0: Yeah, that's why it's so one of the greats. Back to,
1: to, to, to Jaws, it's only two notes. Dun, 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 dun. But everybody knows it and everybody remembers it. And it means that something bad is happening. And uh, it's... You know, the next person would do that same film and to your point would have lots of percussion, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and pounding and it's like and it would be tense for sure, but it wouldn't be as powerful because yeah. the melody. The melody just magically adds a level of emotion to it where it's. It's almost a confusing emotion because you you hate the shark but you love the shark. You know, it, it's you're, you're 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 not sure. Do, do I? What would I prefer for the shark to get killed or for the shark to eat these people? You know, but it either way it makes you care for all the people in this storyline in a way that just pounding drugs and percussion and you know quote exciting score music, I, I think, doesn't really accomplish.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm going to wrap up there. This has been okay. amazing, Jim. Thank you so much for taking time out. I oh know you'd God. probably yeah. be composing right now um, <laughs> if, if we were not having this conversation, so I, I very much appreciate no. it.
1: No, it's, it's been great. It's um, It it really is a treat when. it. Um, because something that sort of counters the whole stage fright thing is, I love being with people and having conversations. But I like them to be about something. I'm I'm horrible at cocktail party talk. You know, uh, how how you doing? You know what? Yeah, uh, wow. You know what do you do? Yeah, really, really. Where, where did you grow up? Yeah, uh, you know. It's cliche. like, I, I'm, good for, I'm good for three minutes of that, then I'm going to be running, screaming out of the room. Um, so it's nice when it's like this, it just feels like uh, you're having a conversation with a friend. It, it doesn't feel like you're being grilled or something. So
0: well, which is, which is I, appreciate I, like that. I don't like the traditional interview format where it's, it's too rigid. It's too... The Socratic method? Yeah, well, like it, it, it
1: makes ask the you a question. You answer, okay. Let me see. Uh, all right, number five. When did you first play? You know,
0: <laughs> it's, it it's makes it a little dry and awkward, right? Because you don't talk yeah. to someone like that usually, and so it, it's it, also interesting. Uh, my
1: experience, at least, uh, is when interviews take that angle. There's something nerve-wracking about it because you always feel like, okay, uh seven. Okay. Uh seven is uh have you ever been accused of a crime? You know, you know, it feels like you know, where's the where's the zinger coming in here?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. and it, and it also, I mean, because of the the day and age that we live in, with and I don't think news media are making the money like they used to, and they're competing with things like Google and Facebook, so they have to yeah. resort to these gotcha type of questions yeah. where they're kind of setting you up to answer a specific way, and it's 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 like, oh, what are you doing, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, you know, the teaser on TV is like. <clears throat> Tonight, an 11 o'clock news, incredible behind-the-scenes footage of a very compromising scenario with the president. Watch at 11. <laughs> you know, and you stay up till 11 to watch this salacious storyline that you've been teased with, and it turns out to be nothing, but they got you to tune in.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Mm. Well, hey, Jim. Thank you so much. Thank um, you, Rick. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, likewise. Likewise. Okay, that's the show, everyone. Make sure you share, like, and subscribe and follow all of Jim's work. He is more than just a wrestling composer. Uh, He has a lot more to offer. (laughs) So that's the show, everyone. Stay safe.